WHBQ Memphis and W253DF Memphis, Flynn Broadcasting Stations. From the Tigers' sideline, it's Tigers Talk with Memphis broadcasting legend Greg Gaston. Hear Greg weekday mornings on Sports 56 Mornings along with Eli Savoy from 7 to 10 right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. On Twitter X at Greg underscore Gaston. Here's Greg with Bryant and Brett. Welcome back into Sports Time. Greg Gaston joining us now to talk Tigers. You can hear him every single morning with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli. Also on the Tigers sidelines. Also, now that basketball season started, you catch him uh, on ESPN Plus during Tiger basketball home games. Greg, thanks so much for joining us and, and a lot to get to. I mean, where to start? Tiger football, Tiger basketball. Let's start with Tiger football. Uh, win last week at home against USF, but uh, really a shootout by both teams. A lot of points. I think I took a live un- a live over at halftime, over 92 and a half, and it hit with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So that's just kind of how that game went. What did you make of the Tigers' performance on Saturday and pulling out another close one? Yeah, never a dull moment. If you like fireworks, you, right. you like Memphis football for I the like most winning. part this year. That's right. I, yes, absolutely. That's the bottom line. That's all the coaches care about. They don't care if it's 59-50 or 13-7, to just give them the dub. But nine nothing, 59 fan, nothing. Right? But if you're a fan, you, you like excitement. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, whatever sport it may be, you like scoring, and that's what you got in this particular game. And that's pretty much been the theme. So, yes, they, they were really, really good offensively. Obviously, they were exceptional offensively. Defensively, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot of – I don't want to call it – equality around the league as far as teams are all you know built the same but with the nil money with with certain teams that that have more to be able to dish out things are becoming a lot tighter than um than they were when when the nil first started a couple years ago there are more teams now that have become players in this thing and serious players charlotte for an example is one they have a lot of nil money they have a lot of transfers i'm talking to colorado-esque Wait till next year. Yes, yes. And it's, and it's going to get tighter and tighter. The, the teams are going to be becoming a, a little bit more equal as far as that's concerned. But to get back to your, your question about South Florida, look, it was a game they had to have. They dealt with a bunch of injuries, especially late in that game. They put up mm-hmm. 59. They gave up 50. Fireworks galore, but it was a dub. And now that team's sitting at 7-2 and two moving into the game on Saturday against Charlotte. Greg, I'm pretty decent at this you got here in 95 the the second year or first year of rip's year i think it was the second okay so so you missed the chuck stobart years and even into the rip right. years i can remember a lot of people callers hosts around town a lot of people and it, it, it was a good case to be made i don't care if we win that much i just want to be exciting and i would always say no <laughs> even if you're exciting you want to win well you can be both in this tiger team it is both yeah the bottom line is right you want to win but when I first got here and I started to watch the Tigers, uh, a couple of away games when I first got here, I watched, in fact, the first game I ever watched, late 1995, I just arrived. It was around, I believe, right before Thanksgiving. They played East, I remember them playing East Carolina. Oh, yeah. And, and the score, it couldn't have been more than like 10-3 or 7-3. It, it was there. It was like at Dowdy Ficklin in 95. Yeah. Yes. So you had a lot of that type of, 
uh, uh, those type of games. You had uh, low-scoring, defensive-oriented games, very hard to find any offense. And there is no question in my mind, obviously winning trumps everything, but you, you don't want to see that. You, you pay your money to go to a mm-hmm. C game. You want to see fireworks. Now, you don't necessarily go down to the wire or Memphis have to pull it out on a last-minute drive, but you want to see explosiveness. You want to see you know, 65-yard passes down the sideline. You want to see guys like D'Angelo who was able to you know, crank up a 70-yard run at the drop of a hat or any of these other great running backs that we've seen in recent years. That's just the way it is. They, there was the old thing, chicks dig the long ball with <laughs> baseball. Yeah. I think everybody digs scoring in football. There may be a few, a few purists that's still around that say, Hey, I don't mind an old-fashioned fashioned, uh, hmm. uh, snob-knocker or whatever they call those things. <laughs> or 7 not the 7 3 Stop it. Stop yeah. it. You want to see touchdowns. In, in, in this conference, the AC, it, it, it's an offensive it's offensive side of the football as most of the sport. Now, you know, th- th- this conference will get knocked for 59-50, but then you'll hear some defend a Pac-12 52-45. Look, I know the math difference, but what's the, what's the overall difference? <laughs> Right. No, you're absolutely correct. And that's really across the board. Look, there are some really good defenses out there. There's not a lot of them, though. There's not it's a just lot not. of them. It's mostly, it's mostly the offense. Nobody wants to play well defense. defense. Right, right. Iowa, for some reason, they can. Yeah. I don't know if they got 11 NFL players out there, but they can play defense. Greg, they can't do anything on offense. The, the, year, they, the, the year the Tennessee Oilers were in town, uh, I'm not. I don't want to overdo it, but I, I I could visit pretty good with Eddie George and his mom. In fact, we at this radio station we had a deal. We had Eddie George with us at like every other Tuesday, and and I told him I said you know we we we, we can't pay you anything, but can we do something for you around town? He said yeah, get my mom car service when she comes in for games. So we did. We and that was kind of the sponsor, and we took care of his mom. And I I asked her. I said why did a North Philly youngster not go play for Joe Paterno. Mm. She said, well, because Coach Paterno was talking about, you know, that, that freshman year, you know, him playing, you know, at least seeing what he might could do on defense. And she said, that Heisman Trophy, he has a ball in his hands for a reason. So we went to <laughs> Iowa State. Yeah, you, you're kind of taking yourself out of the running, right, unfortunately, for defensive players. But, look, I, this game has also evolved. The game is involved with the rules. The rules are oriented in the way that the defense are hand, it's handcuffed an awful lot of times, especially when it comes to dealing with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you right now, I was just talking to a coach um, recently, and they talked about how officials, they'll drop the flag at the drop of a hat on any perceived pass interference call or a defensive holding call. But they're not calling that much as far as offensive holding, offensive lineman holding. In other words, you again penalize the defense. That moves the ball down the field. Yep. That puts them into the red zone. That gives them more scoring opportunities. That's just the way of the world in, at all levels of football, high school, college, and the NFL. And, and I can tell you now, if the home crowd reacts with, and I'm going to try to go off mic not to frighten everybody driving, hmm. But with a big woo, you're going to get a penalty. Yeah. If you're if if the home crowd gets excited over a woo hit, mm-hmm. they're going to throw a flag. That's a penalty now. Yeah, a lot of times it is just the or the, or the way it looks, the way it's perceived to the official, as opposed to where the actual hit how it looks. Yep. Yeah, how uh, it looks. Perfect and, example was in in the Memphis game. There was a 
sideline. The quarterback was going down the sideline, and he got drilled. He was yeah. in the bounds. He had not mm-hmm. stepped out yet, and he got drilled. And I think, at least my opinion, the force of that hit, how hard it was, mm-hmm. that it was against the quarterback, even though it was a legal hit, they dropped the, the uh, handkerchief in 15 yards yeah. on that one. So a lot of that is his perception of what that official sees and if they think it's too violent, they're going to drop the flag. Our friend Greg Gaston with us every Thursday afternoon. He's brought to you by the lofts of Stephen Leffler. Jim's Place in Collierville, Mount Moriah Auto Sales, and Neil's Bar and Grill. First thing I said to you last night when I saw you at the Grizzlies game, this is the dream scenario going into mm-hmm. November 11th, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, the, it's the perfect scenario to to complete their goals. Mm-hmm. Now, the dream scenario obviously would have been to, to finish off Missouri and to finish off Tulane and to be undefeated, but it, it wasn't to be. They played very well, I thought, at Missouri. Uh, the Tulane game was a shame because they, they gave up that lead in the second half, and that's you know, certainly driven a lot of people crazy. But as far as trying to accomplish those goals, they're right where they need to be. Yeah. You beat Charlotte, you beat SMU, and you beat Temple, and I'm not saying it's going to happen or it's going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but to do that and get a little bit of help from Tulane, you're playing Tulane again in the conference championship game in New Orleans. Uh, and with a chance, with a chance to be the group of five representatives, it's still there. It's, it's Look, it's a long shot, but it's still a possibility. And going into week number 10, that's all you've asked for. Well, we saw in that game against USF, Seth Hennigan leave with an injury. Tevin Carter comes in two for two with a touchdown. Blake Watson also left late in the game uh, with an injury. Well, what's your gut feeling on both of those guys, Seth Hennigan and Blake Watson, for this weekend? And if Seth Hennigan can't go, what is the confidence with this coaching staff and Tevin Carter for him to start at Charlotte? Let me answer the, the last part of that question first. They are really confident Tevin Carter He's been around the system for a couple of years. He had to learn an awful lot when he got here. He's matured as a football player. He's matured as a young man. They have all the confidence in the world. The kid is big. He's got a big arm. Uh, I like what he brings and to the table. And let him cook. Like if you attitude. play him, let him mm-hmm. cook. Exactly. I just like his, his attitude. He's, he's got a smile on his too. face. I like the look he, of him. He, yeah, he's not – There's there's no – Oh, woe is me. I'm not playing right now. I got to take my ball and go home. I got to look to jump in the portal. Uh, he's I a agree, really Greg. Good, you don't see really any petulant pouty about him? Not at all. Not at all. I, I just I just really like this kid. I like the way uh, the, you know, the family who brought him up, his coaches that, he's co- that has coached him over his years. Just a really good young man. To answer the other part of the question, so Hennigan, even though they never officially announced the injury, again, I'm right there. You guys, uh, you, whoever watched, saw it. It's obviously his non-throwing shoulder mm-hmm. or upper arm, but I think it's the shoulder. I think personally, this is just me thinking out loud. I know he's going to be a game-time decision. If he can deal with the pain, I think he'll go because I don't think there's any kind of structural damage if there was then it wouldn't even be a question he wouldn't be day-to-day he'd be out so i think a lot of that could be the, the pain now uh watson i didn't i wasn't really sure what had happened at first and subsequently found out it was an ankle again he's a guy that they really need he's a special running back in that long line of great running backs i don't know right now 
I don't have a gut feeling on him right now. But I, all I can tell you is this: after the game, he was on he was on the bench, and then he walked out to shake hands after the game against with the USF players, and and didn't really have a pronounced limp or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit, little bit of a hitch in the giddy up, but not that bad. So I don't know how he's progressed. I haven't had a chance to watch him. I don't. I'm not privy to that uh, practice uh, time. So I hope he can go. If not, they feel very confident. Sutton Smith and Brandon Thomas, that they can run the ball. And this is a team in Charlotte defensively that's the complete opposite of what they just faced against USF. USF was really really stubborn against the run, and you can throw on them, and, and, and we know that by the numbers that the Tigers put up. With Charlotte, they're a little better overall defensively, mm-hmm. but you should be able to run the ball on them and a little bit tougher to pass against them. So, therefore, I think whoever is running the ball could have a field day but you want Blake in. He's he's your best shop, best option right now. But I'm not so sure about him. Hennigan, my gut just tells me they're going to roll with the guy. Now, depending on how the game goes, we'll see how long he goes, if he goes at all. But Kevin Carter is waiting in the wings and ready to go if need be. Greg, I say this with all due respect to Willie Fritz and the program that he's built and established at Tulane, this current Tulane team, uh, the, one, the, the proud Cotton Bowl championship team, from last year, but if the Tigers win at Charlotte, win next week at home at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium over SMU and close it out on the road in basically in your area, in your hometown, close enough in Philly against Temple, finish 10-2, and two, I don't lay awake at night in fear of uh, having to go to Yulman and play Tulane. They'll be favored. They, they may win, but that, that, that's, not, that's not sleep with the light on, is it? No, no. Tulane's a good team. They're not as good as last year. You saw them firsthand. They're a lot better with Michael Pratt in there, and Memphis faced Michael Pratt. Memphis was up a couple of scores, and everybody knows what happened. They were able to come back. Right. They were able to come back and win that game. But no, there's no fear whatsoever. You're going to gain that confidence. I guarantee you, if you take care of business, and obviously that would include a nice win over SMU, which you figure is going to be another shootout. That just gains confidence for all these players and then the old revenge factor in the back of their mind. I'm not going to sit here and say if they take care of business, get the shot at Tulane, that they win, but they have a chance certainly to do so. Now, the other thing is, the other part of that equation is Tulane's going to have to take care. They're going to have to help out Memphis by UTSA when they play them. Because if UTSA runs the table, UTSA is in with Frank Harris. So. It's not automatic. Memphis can win these next three and still be shut out. Who would have tiebreaker between UTSA and the Tigers? See, who, I, who I would host. I don't look. I don't know. I'm not going to say I know 100 percent because I don't. I haven't looked it up. But according to people that I've talked to about that, that they feel that Memphis would have. See, what they'll do is they'll look at the college football rankings, which only go to 25, and neither one I believe would be in there. Then the next thing is you're looking at some other sort of computer ranking. And then I think what you take into consideration is the overall record. UTSA had those early season losses in the non-conference portion of their schedule. So I'm being told, not by anybody within the program, but people who are kind of on the uh, outside but but know a little bit that they think Memphis would get the nod in that case. Mm, Interesting. But I'm not 100% sure. You know, today... Because I'm, I'm going to take a shot at him later. Hmm. I, I, I got to figure out where where I am going to take him. Take, I'm going to take a shot at Britton Banowski later, hmm. and, and because tonight is the WAC Conference USA Challenge. Oh yeah, and I, and I, I was going to say I wonder if Britton Banowski will be there. So I thought I wonder what Britton is doing now. Do you know what he's doing now, Greg? I looked it up. I have no earthly idea. 
He's executive director of the College Football Foundation. Hmm. You talking about cushy job and living and working in the Dallas area. Now that you say that, either last year or the year prior, on our segment with Harold Grader in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. That I listened to today. We had, thank you very much, we had Britt Banowski on talking about that. My memory is not good, and nobody's as good as as yours. (laughs) But, yes, now that you brought that up at his job, we did have him on a few years ago talking about that job. Oh, good old Britt Banowski. Wow, and, and, and you talk about in the history of impossible mm-hmm. big shoes to fill. He had to come in and be CUSA commissioner after Mike's live. Yeah, what a job! What no, a job to lay Mike's live. There's did. no way to do it, and he didn't do it. No, no. no it's it's hard to shoot, uh, fill those shoes. And then, of course, Mike goes on to the SEC. And, yeah, and did behind what Roy did, Kramer, Mike, that we we thought was impossible, and then he he did it, and then some. Yeah. And then, of course. You know, Sankey's done a pretty good job filling those mm-hmm. shoes. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, it's a little bit easier no, no. when you have the Ste- quality you have. <laughs> in the Ste- steering the ship of state for the SEC a little different than Cusa. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Brett, we do have a play in the Wax USA Challenge. You need that later. Oh, I, you can, do. I can give that to you. Uh, <laughs> I got 800 number two. Well, <laughs> we need some basketball action tonight. Talking to Greg Gasted on the Tigers. Greg, let's talk some Tiger basketballs. They're back in action tomorrow night uh, in Missouri. What did you make of that first game against Jackson State, the performance? Uh, kind of a slow start for the Tigers, but really uh, way able to put things together uh, and get a, a really nice win over Jackson State. Yeah, it wasn't. It was far from perfect. It, yeah. There was some uh, some ups and downs. I think more ups than downs when you win by seventeen and score ninety four <laughs> points. Obviously, this is a deep, deep team. A lot of options. They're going to be really good offensively. They're going to shoot the outside rock a lot better than they have done. They're not a two headed monster like they were last year, and it worked out last year. They made a good run and lost to Florida Atlantic. We know the rest uh, is history. Losing that game and getting knocked out in the first round of the tournament. This it seems like it's a team that can make a a long run in the NCAA tournament, assuming that there's no implosion from all these players that come from all different programs that were a lot of them the stars of those programs. Mm -hmm. As long as they're bought into the team concept, there could be a a good run from this team. If you have all of a sudden a player or players that's having an issue with playing time or not starting or not getting enough shots, then that could be an issue. But what are you supposed to do if you're a coach? You want to go out there and get as much talent as you can, and that's what Penny has done. I applaud him for being able to do that, to go out to the portal to pick up these players. They have a game that could go inside with a Jordan Brown or a Malcolm mm-hmm. Sandridge. They have guys from the outside that could hit shots, dribble drive penetrators, all types of guys like Jaquan Walton who almost killed somebody to start the game on Monday night. I really like this team. I think this team could be a lot of fun. Again, they all got to be bought in. And even with the disappointment of not being able to get DeAndre Williams for another year, mm-hmm. this is still an extremely talented team. And plenty of people, I think it will be largely uh, quinterly, but pl- plenty of people to slide over and handle the point, isn't it? Enough. Yeah. I won't say plenty, yeah. enough. Well, there's definitely not because you had, obviously JQ's your guy. Mm-hmm. We saw Mills when JQ was out and then he missed that one exhibition game. We saw Mills slide over to the point. Now, I think he's still a natural too, but can play the point. You have Jalen Young coming off the bench to spell JQ, and I thought he did a lot of good things with his speed. He's got quick hands. 
not the big scorer, not the big shooter, but can get to the hole. So they do have options as far as that's concerned. Again, a lot of depth on this team, a lot of guys that can really take over on any given night. You could go five, six games and have five, six different scoring leaders in each one of those games. Uh, Greg, what do you think about Jonathan Pierre? I mean, kind of a, an unknown and interesting guy coming from the D2 ranks last year, but uh, I've heard a lot of people, and, and you can go back and look at those stats from last year, of, of kind of uh, the assists that he had last year. I think led his team in assists last year, but he said, uh, I think yesterday or the day before, while speaking to the media, that's been kind of a, a challenge going from D2 to D1, but he feels like he's starting uh, to figure things out. Uh, what do you think about Jonathan Pierre when it comes to the other players on this team? He also said he grew another inch since his arrival in Memphis. I'm like, gosh, bless him. He went from 6'9 to 6'10. I think I stopped growing at age 13. I mean, that's not fair, buddy. But I mean, I'll tell I've been 5'8 45 years. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Pierre is a guy that's intriguing because I, I don't take much stock in what he did at D2. He led his team to an unbeaten season last year. I think they were like 38 no, something like that. But, you know, how much stock do you take from D2? But what I did see in game number one is a guy who looked like he fit. He looked the part. He's got length. He's got the ability to shoot. He plays some defense. I just don't think he'll be in the regular rotation as far as sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guy. But Damn. I think he's, he's kind of in that middle between he's not one of those mop-up guys at the end of the bench who are very talented, by the way, the Sharon Fonts, the J.J. Taylors, who are true freshmen. I think he's right there kind of with, with a little bit behind Ashton Hardaway, who will be called upon to shoot threes. I think then you got Pierre, mm. and I think Pierre will probably play in a lot of games. Now, it all depends on, as the season goes, if Penny Hardaway pulls back on his rotation and then decides, oh, I'm going to go 8-9 deep. Because if he doesn't, which I think at least early on, he'll go 10-11 deep, that should inc- include Pierre. It'll include Jalen Young. It'll include yeah. his son Ashton, Jaden. Uh, we'll see if he goes back to the starters that people thought he would have for game one uh, as he didn't start Caleb Mills and Jordan Brown. But mm-hmm. even if those guys continue to come off the bench, I'm, I'm looking at a deep rotation, a 10-11 man rotation. And I think Pierre is a, an intriguing player that could could pay off. Maybe not this first year, but in the second year because of a couple of years of eligibility, I think he could be a helpful player. Tomorrow night on the road for you in Charlotte, game-watching party for Tigers basketball against Mizzou in your room, and I understand you're opening up the mini bar. It's all on huh. you, huh? I like it. <laughs> I wish we had a mini bar in that room. <laughs> Big time trouble. But, no, yeah, we'll be, we'll be watching that Mizzou game. And, you know, I, I, next week when we talk, I'll, we'll have more of, of a picture of this Tigers team. It's hard to gauge That's for right. one game against Jackson State. You just hope that – Speaking engage, you know, engaging that mm-hmm. all these guys are engaged. You go to Missouri, it's November. You go to Columbia. I've done a game in Columbia mm-hmm. in the old back. Those antlers, man. Those that fan base, the student body is unbelievable. So if Memphis looks good and gets a dub over Mizzou, obviously we're going to be talking so positive, positively and rightly so next week. If they lose this game and don't look good in doing so, we'll start to worry a little bit. That's what happens early in the season, especially when you play. A, a opponent that's of your uh, equal. Uh, I'm not uh, saying anything negative about Jackson State, but no. let's be honest, that's a game you should have won and you that's won right. by 17. This is a game that's basically a toss-up. Greg, there was a time that if I had to describe Mizzou as either 
I would I would have described it as a basketball school, yeah. basketball first. And most of the enmity in the KU Mizzou thing really is created yeah. from basketball. Football has some, but it was mostly a basketball thing. I wouldn't anymore, but it's it really matters to them basketball. I remember again from the outside looking in at Missouri when I was back east, knowing that that team was really strong in basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even because Norm, as, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even think about them as a football team. Yeah, Storm and Norman, and that that basketball program was really really good. And they want to have you know equality if they can. Obviously, the football team we know the importance of football. They have certainly improved. In Eli Drinkwitz, his team has had a great year. And we questioned whether or not, you know, maybe, maybe he isn't the guy. They're having a really strong year. Mm-hmm. For them to have a strong football and basketball season really is what everybody wants. That's your that's your two money makers. And if you can have them both playing well in the same year, that's a feather in your cap. Yeah, it should be a fun weekend, a very busy weekend with both uh, basketball and football in action. But, Greg, Thank as always, thanks for joining us. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely, guys. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, Greg. You got it. Greg Gaston. From the Tiger sideline and also every morning right here, as he always been with Eli Savoy, 7A to 10A, doing what they do and doing it so very well. Tomorrow afternoon at 5, we'll be talking Tiger basketball with Jason Munns from the Commercial Appeal. He's on the beat for the Commercial Appeal, covering all things Tigers basketball, and that will be presented, as it will all the way through the NCAA tournament, by Jim's Place Grill. Over 100 years of charcoal grill steaks, Jim's Place has been around longer than Tiger basketball. Hmm. Over 100 years of celebrations, family time, lasting memories, good times. Tomorrow night, if you're if, if, if you're looking for a great place to go watch the game, that bar area is ideal. You can eat in there, big group in there. Go there. The Terrace family, with their touch for our community, they love, the, love all the local teams. Recipes that date back to the beginning in downtown to now in Collierville at the railroad tracks at Poplar and Houston Levy. Online at jimsplacegrill.com. Don't forget the E and grill. Lunch hours, Monday through Friday, 11A to 2 p.m. Dinner hours, Monday through Saturday, 5 p.m. to 9.30. And people looking for that holiday place to have a get-together, office party, extended family, a neighborhood party. That's the place to do it. Every steak grill perfectly over an open flame. Come to Jim's Place and taste and see and feel the difference. Since 1921, a Memphis landmark with values and dedication and hard work committed to their, their diners. The Terrace family, they've created that memorable dining experience the lunch menu like the staple the staples like the souffle ma shrimp cocktail crab cakes and those salad dressings all homemade dinner the calamari seafood soup and the steaks ribeyes fillets and strips fantastic bar area where you can enjoy all the games and all the good times at jim's place grill in collierville let's go ahead and get to a break when we come back we'll talk about the nfl we'll also talk about the thursday night football game tonight between the panthers and the bears that's next on sports time add a little fun to your lunch break Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus.
Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you. And uh, we got to talk some NFL football. Thursday night football Thursday tonight. Style. Thursday style, that's right. We've got it here. We sure do. Bears and Panthers tonight. You can listen to that on uh, right here on Sports 56. We'll have that after Reb Talk tonight, I'm sure. A lot of excitement about Reb Talk tonight uh, with this big game against Georgia. What are we talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. But let me tell you what we've got uh, on the station throughout the weekend. Bears-Panthers tonight at 7 p.m. coverage will start. But it's the crazy time. It's the wild time with basketball, football, everything going on tomorrow night. We'll have full coverage. Ole Miss versus Eastern Washington. Pre-game starting at 6.30 for that basketball game. Saturday, Ole Miss at Georgia. Pre-game starting at 4 o'clock for that 6 p.m. tip. Sunday, we've got the entire day loaded with NFL. At Newmoff, Packers at Steelers. 3 o'clock, Lions at Chargers. And then at 7 o'clock, Jets at Raiders. Monday night, Broncos at Bills. That coverage will also start at 7 p.m. But Brett, Panthers... And Bears, um, I mean, how much do you care about this matchup at all? Not, not, not a lot, but I, I will listen because mm-hmm. also I want to, I want to hear a lot of the conversation around Justin Fields. It feels like it's yeah. the end of the year for him. I don't think he has been served very well, but it's two sided. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely is. The, the Bears are they're on the hook for some of this, sure. but he is too. Sure. And and I, I hear so much of the national commentary that it's very one sided. It's just the the Bears have you know they have failed him. Well, that's right. Yeah. But he he's not done his part either. Here he he hadn't been great. I I don't know. I, I hadn't I hadn't really looked at it that much. I don't know where the perfect landing spot for him mm. next year would be. Potentially, how about this one? Okay. And they they've done it before with a great quarterback that didn't work mm-hmm. in another league and at another place in the NFL. Forty okay. ers didn't work out with Steve Young. They got him, got him righted, went on to that Hall of Fame career. Maybe maybe you get Shanahan to to try to rectify the almost the the bust that Justin Fields has become. Yeah, I mean, that could be an option. We know uh, kind of the go-to response of you give Shanahan any type of quarterback and he's going to turn them into a, into a pro bowler. And, um, you know, he's, he's done really well with, with quarterbacks when all of those weapons are healthy. So, I mean, that could work. I almost, a place I've kind of been looking that who needs a quarterback, um, and has weapons. The Atlanta Falcons. I could see that being. I mean, you've got a running back down there now. You've got receivers. You've got a tight end. I mean, you have offensive weapons. You're just missing a quarterback. You know, if if the Bears were to make a move, that could be an option. And there's a lot of job stability sure. questions around Arthur Smith. There, will he will oh, he be yeah. back next? No, that's that's another good question. So, I mean, certainly a lot of uh, of questions up in the air. But the biggest. Kind of thing tonight, just like you were alluding to. No Justin Fields tonight. Uh, Tyson Bajan will start again. Um, and a good story for Tyson Bajan. I've enjoyed watching him play. I mean, there's kind of a lot of give and take with him. He, uh, you know, when he's standing in the pocket, he looks very comfortable. He looks very confident. Um, and he, you know, his his completion percentage is usually pretty good, but. 
Um, throws a lot of interceptions. Um, and has been very interception prone. Um, throws into double coverage a lot. Um, trying to just make plays. And I think that might be part of his, you know, not a great offensive line. Um, and, and just kind of trying to force something. Um, and I think through too late in that game, uh, last weekend for Chicago, just trying to will them back into that game. But, um, you know, we'll see what he can do tonight against this, uh, Carolina team. But Carolina, really both sides of the ball. Haven't shown you really much of anything this year, and I'm still surprised going back a couple weeks ago that they were able to beat the Texans. Yeah, the, it, it, it's been it, it's been ugly for them. I, I don't think this is at all the the matchup TV envisioned no. when when the schedule came out. But the rest of the weekend in the NFL, some really good really games. Good. I, I think my favorite game of the weekend may be Jags hosting 49ers. Yeah, no, that's a good game. I've heard, uh, I've heard some people. I think it was, uh, I think it was John Harden earlier today that said uh, he thinks the Jaguars are gonna are gonna beat them. And, you know, Getting and, points at home, that, that's always I mean, attractive. That's that's big. But I mean, it kind of goes back to what we've been saying for what the last three weeks now, Brett. Of okay, they San Francisco lost. They're not gonna lose again. Okay, they've lost twice, but they're not gonna do it a third time. They've lost three times. Can't lose four times in a row, can they? Nobody thought they would have no. a without uh-huh. major injuries would have a, a four game losing no. streak. Oh, I mean, Brett. I mean, once they got past the the Cowboys, there were people saying this team could go undefeated in the regular season. Biden had had a, had a statue of Brock Purdy <laughs> built really outside did. Levi Stadium. It really did. Um, so you know that's that's going to be a great game, a, a noon game. Uh, on Fox should be a, a really fun one. Then Jags team six and two, they're playing well. I mean, this is the same Jags team that we watched last year. You know, make that kind of playoff run and, and had some success. So you know, may, maybe they could get something going. Uh, another game that I'm really excited for tomorrow is this Texans and Bengals game. Um, I think I brought it up yesterday when we were talking about some of these games over the weekend, and I'm I'm interested to see. What this Titan or excuse me Texans team can do against a really really good Bengals team, and now I'm seeing uh, that that Jamar Chase for the Bengals has been limited at practice this week. He's still preparing to play, but if he's not able to go, or if he's 50, 60 percent in that game on Sunday, I mean that could could really kind of open it up for the Texans to do something. I had 49ers Chargers preseason Super Bowl. Mm. That's not happening. No, Chargers. <laughs> I had. Detroit Lions against 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Uh, this Sunday, it's Lions and Chargers. Yeah. Wow. I still say one of the more fun potential Super Bowls, and yeah. long way to go, would be Jacksonville and Detroit. They're not getting there, but that'd be fun. That would be fun. I had someone ask me today who I thought would be the Super Bowl today, and I said, Eagles and Bengals. Eagles and Bengals. I like that. I could get down with that. You know, there's a um, there's now a conspiracy theory of the Super Bowl. Have you seen this con- conspiracy theory? I have not. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up. Um, but there's a conspiracy theory um, that the colors of the Super Bowl logo tells you who's going to play in the Super Bowl. That like if you go back to the last couple of uh, of Super Bowls, that the color of the of the logo has been the teams that have played in it. You don't think they can like adapt on the fly and do the color? To... Oh, so you're saying maybe they changed it after the fact, week of the game, like the week of the game, um, and uh, and are now doing Super Bowl Fifty. And anyway, that was that was one of, and, and they did not do the Roman numerals right. that year. Yes, yes. And, and the color scheme around that was all Pittsburgh Steelers colors. Really? And they said it was intentional, not because they thought they were going to be in the game or they were trying to drive it in the game. 
It was just the NFL's way of kind of saying in the Super Bowl era, you've been the team. Really? Oh, I like that. Well, this one, because the last, like, I can't remember, it's the last two or three. Now, the guy that told me that that year in San Francisco at a uh-huh. Super Bowl party, he was about nine scotching waters well, in. Well, you know. Oh. But he is a good league source. Well, I, hey, I'll take his word for it. But it's Former something... White House press secretary, no less. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. High Joe place. Lockhart. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it's something like if you look at the – I guess the last couple of Super Bowl logos, there's like two colors, like one's kind of on top, one's on the bottom, and they kind of fade into each other. And uh, if you look at those uh, colors, they're the colors of the teams that played in the Super Bowl, and now they've released the ones Johnny for this Bright year. Johnny buys all Oh, Johnny doesn't that? know. Johnny, I am a big conspiracy theory guy. I love conspiracy theories. Really? Oh, I don't yeah. even know this. I, I, oh, I yeah. Them. Big. Everything is. <laughs> I mean, hey, what, what's and the— I, And I'm none. I think things just happen. Me too, Brett. Hey, I agree with you. Things just happen, man. Things I, I, just happen. I do think we, you know, of, of course we have, you know, predetermined. We, you know, we, sure. we, we can affect things, but I, I've never, I've, I've never bought into. Conspiracy. I wish I, I wish I had the, the like pictures and stuff so I could talk about which teams it was because I can't remember now. Oh, here it is. I, I found it. Okay, so Brett, I'm going to show you this. Um, and you is this going to be like the dress that no, people have no, a different no, view of the no. color of it? Okay, so this was the Super Bowl two years ago. Okay, yeah. The colors are, are Bengals and, and uh All right, I'm going to tell you Rams. right now, a bunch of people don't like these kind of yeah. generic logos. Uh-huh. They liked them when they were more oh, I do too. to the city. Yeah. And I did, I did too. And now all these, I mean – I mean, is that 52? Is that 50? Is that. Well, I'm not even good at Roman Roman numerals, so I couldn't even tell you. All these were set before the. Supposedly. Now, I can tell you for a fact this one is set because that's this year's, and and I'm guessing that's the one that's set. Um, But this was last year. The top is like a greenish color for the Eagles, the bottom is red for Kansas City. And so now the top of this one, if anybody hadn't seen it, is like red for the 49ers, and the bottom is purple for the Ravens. So, I mean. It's like a yellow. The 49ers and Ravens have played in yeah. the Super Bowl. It's like a gold and very recent, yeah. Um, and the lights went out. I was uh-huh. there. Yeah, and they blamed it on who was the halftime performer? Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah, they blamed it on Beyonce. She shut it down. Sure did. Um, but yeah, so the top's like a, it's like a red and gold, and then the bottom's a, a purple. And so My mother saying, was convinced it was a terrorist hit. Really? Yeah. It was Texting call- you, telling you to. Well, she didn't know how to text. Well, okay. She was <laughs> calling the nephews that could text. Yeah. Tell him to get out of there. That's funny. And, That's and funny. I, I, I texted them back. I said, she's watched too much 24. <laughs> it's not I'm an episode fine. of 24. It happens. We're good. No, but it should be um, a really fun uh, a fun day in the NFL on Saturday. Or, excuse me, Sunday, I should say. And I'm excited to get some picks for this weekend tomorrow with uh, with Bruce and Allen. We will, we will get a bunch of picks. We'll get all all our Friday picks, and we'll have Friday football forecast at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon for you. I know everybody's looking for that to-do list for the holidays. You're going to want to write this down. Go to All-Star Chevy and Olive Branch. That's simple. Down Highway 78, all-new Highway 78. First exit into Mississippi's Kraft Goodman Road. You're there. A lot of new Silverados. They have red tags on them for a reason. Kevin and Jeff said they'll get you financing as low as one9 are two thousand in cash. You could get one of these new Equinox with financing as low as one nine or a thousand in cash. Your good credit, it deserves it. I'm, I'm in Olive Branch. 
All-Star has a Chevy for you. Tahoes, Trailblazers, a lot of families I know love the Traverse with all the cargo space, that third row seating, so you can do more together this holiday season. Go visit family, go on that holiday trip, and for military, teachers, college students, healthcare workers, you get a $500 bonus. If you want a certified pre-owned Chevy or any pre-owned, All-Star, they have the lot full of them. Silverados, Ram trucks, Alexis, a Nissan Rogue. Honda, Suburban, Jeeps, and if it's not at All-Star, just ask Jeff and he'll find it for you. And Jeff and Kevin, they always tell me to thank everyone who brought their cars and trucks to All-Star to sell. You can get a check today, tomorrow, this weekend for great cash. Remember, it's not South Haven, not Mount Moriah, not Bartlett or Collierville. It's got to be Olive Branch. Find new roads to All-Star Chevy today or go to All-Star Auto Group and happy holidays from All-Star to everyone out there. Well, we need to get to a break. On the other side, we'll get to big number of the day. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Hello, big brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The big boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. All right, here we go. (laughs) My big number today is, uh, let's see, 119 is going to be my big number I've got a bunch of them. Oh, do you? All right. Well, I'm going to get mine out of the way because I only have one today, Brett. I came underprepared, I think. How many do you have? I have two. Oh, okay. They tie together, though. You made made it sound like you had like six or seven. Uh, My big number, 119, Chet Holmgren, who, Brett, if you remember before the season, I was very high on Chet. I was saying maybe rookie of the year guy. And obviously now what Victor's done to start the season, um, unless something crazy happens, he's probably going to run away with rookie of the year. But... I don't think Chet's far behind. 119 is the amount of points Chet Holmgren has scored uh, to start the season while shooting 55.7% from the They're field. They're defying one ball <laughs> they in really, Oklahoma City. They really are. 55. Well, point- I guess you'd have to have two basketballs well, in place. So they're true. not defying it, but huh. they're, they're spreading it out. They are. They're, and they've got plenty of players out there. I mean, that team is fun to watch. They're young. They're SGA fun. And they're hungry. Oh, man. He's he's incredible, Brett. He is, he's so good. Uh, but what Chet has done has been really incredible as well. I said 119 points while shooting 55.7% from the field, 53.8% from three, and 90% from the line. He's the first. And still no chest. And still no chest. That's right. But he has put on a little bit of muscle over the the offseason. He's the first player in NBA history to shoot 50, 50, 90 with 100 plus points 
through their first seven career games. It's really incredible. I mean, that, that year off, there was a lot of question of what he would do kind of coming back from that injury. Would it kind of be slow trying to adapt to the game? But it really seemed like he got with those trainers in Oklahoma City last year and really focused on getting stronger, getting his body ready for the NBA game. And so far, through, uh, through the first handful of games of the season, he's looked really, really good. I have two numbers, and they're both around the – back-to-back national champions in college football going for a three-peat, and that's the Georgia Bulldogs. 705, that's mm. the number of days since Georgia lost a football game of any wow. kind. The second number is 1,491. That's the last time they lost at Sanford Stadium wow. in the 2019 season 2019. to Will Muschamp in South Carolina. 2019 Red. at home. Fall of 2019, I was a sophomore in college. You have to tell me all that. Wow. Guess where I was. Well, you're right, right here. here. I mean, nothing <laughs> changes. You're right here. It's always right here. Wow. It's always right here. <laughs> it is. Yes, we're situated a little uh, different, but basically yeah, right here. Yeah. I was actually kind of right over here. Oh, in the corner a little kind bit. Kind of looking this yeah, way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, that is um, – that's an incredible big number. And I mean, really, it feels like we always ask the question of, okay, are they going to be the same this year? Are they going to – and, you know, what what they have done over there, um, what Kirby Smart has built at Georgia uh, has been consistent, and it's been incredible to watch. He's done what they wanted done. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they, they when, when they fired Mark Rick, mm-hmm. there was there was some criticism because Mark sure. Rick was just it's just one of you know one of the kindest, oh, yeah. really good man, uh, good human beings ever. They wanted more, mm-hmm. yeah, and they got it. Yeah, and I mean, played out uh, really, really well for them because uh, you know a real opportunity to go back to back to back. Uh, he's playing really good football, and and really, you know, I really don't think enough people are talking about the fact that this team was able to lose Brock Bowers. They're a, a little under the radar, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, number one in AP. Yeah, but but Brett, I mean, we talked all year about how Brock Bowers was the only guy they had on this team. Obviously, Lab McConkey was out at the time, but we were all saying that's the only you know, they're they're really struggling in some of these games. They're not covering spreads. They're not getting out there and really uh, giving it to their opponent. And it's really been relying on Brock Bowers and now Brock Bowers is out. And the schedule was conducive. Yes, but I mean, wow. I mean, to be able to do what they've done and, and really not been able not missed a beat since Brock Bowers' injury have Lab McConkey step up and, and and, and really play well. It's been it's been really really fun to watch this Georgia team is really good. But I do think Ole Miss uh, has a good opportunity, and that should be a fun game. Got to play Saturday well. night. Got to play well, absolutely. But before we get to a break, let me tell you about our friends over at One Seventeen Prime. As the weekend approaches, I know you're looking for a night out, so let me point you into the direction of One Seventeen Prime, located at One Seventeen Union Avenue, and opening 4 p.m. daily. 117 Prime offers perfect steaks cooked to your liking over hickory wood for the best flavor in town. And that meat, it's regionally sourced for the best taste, so you don't have to worry about it traveling cross-country like at some of these other steakhouses. Pair your steak with a wine from their award-winning wine menu or switch it up with their wine of the month. Not a fan of beef? No problem. 117 Prime also offers outstanding seafood like oyster, shrimp, and lobster. Also, get down there right now. It's almost 5 o'clock. Perfect time for their happy hour from 4 to 6 Tuesday through Saturday for the best happy hour that downtown Memphis has to offer. To make reservations, head over to 
1-800-433-9851-117prime.com or give them a call 901-433-9851 that's 901-433-9851 for 117 prime well we need to get to a break and wrap up this hour when we come back to start our five o'clock hour we'll talk nba with keith smith